0: Balper want to Brass and Carson Sestoulli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly Monday appearance. This is his weekly Monday appearance to the managing editor of Fangraphs.com, Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron is the guest on this edition of the program. As he does every week, Dave Cameron and Devers here to analyze all baseball. Of particular note this week, David Ortiz has been in more or less all the ballparks he's visited this year. Such goodbye tours tend to be the province of great players, players who, for example, will go on to the Hall of Fame. Will David Ortiz, I asked Cameron, will David Ortiz go into the Hall of Fame as well, despite the fact that D.H.'s have a poor record of doing so? Cameron's answer will shock you, unless you're expecting a well-reasoned answer, in which case it won't shock you. Moving on, externality. Externality is a concept present in economics, the field of economics. used to describe a cost that one party incurs, but another is forced to pay. Cameron explains the relevance of externality not only to the host's grocery shopping habits, but also to baseball. Finally, it appears as though this edition of the program will be a disappointment for those who have wished bodily harm on Dave Cameron, who reports in real time that his house is not being burgled. I repeat, not being burgled.
1: And someone's pulling into my driveway. I guess they're just you turning. Never mind. It's also i not being robbed.
0: That breaking news Another. Breaking news, like it, and what's to follow. But what's to follow most most immediately is a sponsor's message. The sponsor is SeatGeek and SeatGeek.com. Are you, are you averse to work and or hassle? Likely. If so, you might consider letting SeatGeek into your life. SeatGeek is a ticket service that will help you find tickets without that work and without that hassle to sports and concert events. What they do at SeatGeek is to pull tickets that are available at multiple other sites all into one place. And better yet to assess a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats to exploit the ticket-buying market, as it were. And, of course, best of all, I hardly even have to mention SeatGeek's reputation for honesty. Unlike StubHub, for example, unlike StubHub, SeatGeek never assesses any fees or mysterious fees at any point. From the beginning to the end of a transaction. For enduring this message, Fangraphs Audio listeners are invited to claim a $20 rebate. Here's how you do that. Download the free SeatGeek app. You go to the Settings tab, click Add a Promo Code, enter the promo code Fangraphs, that's F-A-N-G-R-A-P-H-S. SeatGeek will send you $20 if you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code Fangraphs today. Your nearest possible convenience. With which utterance, this Introduction is almost complete. What is it? It is Fangraphs audio. Who does it feature? Managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. And when does it begin? Right now. It practical analytics. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very brief. Okay. The there's a local discount department store in my town called Rennie's.
1: Okay.
0: And it's a it appears it's in other main towns as well. Um, they currently have a sale on pumpkin for seventy nine cents. Okay. Like the whole usually pumpkin? a dollar, f- huh? The whole pumpkin? No, no, no like canned pumpkin, okay, canned pumpkin, pumpkin canned
1: puree,
0: pumpkin puree. Sure. And this is a uh, we use this. We mixed in with our dog's food. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, people do this.
1: Yes, pumpkin's very good for dogs.
0: Sure. And uh, now the the typical cost at this discount store is a dollar fifty, and it might even be more expensive elsewhere. And I tell, as I tell you, it's it's on sale now for seventy nine cents. Okay. Now I would think that there, if we were to, if I were to maximize the discount, right? Presuming that we believe our dog is going to be alive for another year or two. Yeah. We would just buy as much pumpkin as possible.
1: Right. You would stock up on canned pumpkin.
0: Right. But there must also be another consideration where you avoid, in a relatively small town, you also, you, there must be some consideration where you avoid looking like a crazy person, right? By just going in and buying all of the pumpkin, because I think that that would, um, it would uh, raise eyebrows.
1: Well, I think a lot of times these stores put limits on things. Like when they're mm-hmm. doing sales, they say, you know, limit 10 per person or something. So I think they try to limit the crazy themselves. But maybe you're crazier than, than previous crazy people that Rennie's has had.
0: Sure, But what's – so what is that? Is there a, is there a name for this, this other consideration where you do not necessarily pursue an optimal strategy because there's another variable that the sort of um, naked math of it all doesn't take into account?
1: Well, so I think what you're kind of referring to is what's often called an externality in in uh, in economics, where like the cost of the, um, the the object being pursued or the decision being made, there's an additional cost above and beyond just the uh, direct cost. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, an externality is paid by someone else and so it's an inefficiency where like you know um say a third party has to pay the cost of like uh, you know like global warming right so like this is an externality from uh mass manufacturing and pollution and all the things that we've been doing is uh those polluters haven't had to pay the cost there's an external cost that the rest of the world has to pay um in this case i don't necessarily know that you would uh, what you're arguing for is actually an inefficiency because you're arguing that there's just a second, a second cost you have to account for to yourself. So you're saying okay, your reputation will take a hit. So in addition to the 79 cents, you reduce the value of your reputation by, you know, five or six or nine cents or whatever you want to value it at. And then once you buy like 50 cans of pumpkin, you've just knocked $5 off of your reputation and you just have to factor that into the cost.
0: Yeah. So I have to figure out what, what my reputation is worth to me.
1: Yeah, and also how low it could go. Like hey, what's, so- <laughs> what's replacement level Carson's reputation?
0: Yeah, it's, well, so it's already pretty low. So if I think that my – if I believe that my reputation is already quite low.
1: Yeah, then there's no external cost. Just, there's
0: less you risk.
1: Just, you just drive it into the ground. You're, you could basically like uh, be the, the Phillies or the Braves and be like, well, we're already terrible. Let's just be extra terrible.
0: Okay, but if I were – so, but but if I had like a mayoral run, if I were in the middle of a mayoral run, I would probably avoid doing something like that, right?
1: Well, based on this political cycle, I don't know. (laughs) It seems like you can do whatever you want and run for any office you'd like
0: is local politics this is a this is a terrible question is local politics typically more sane do you think than
1: i don't know so like uh you know i just moved to bend oregon and in the bend bulletin which is the newspaper here i read last week that one of the people who's um running for city council and in bend that actually you don't you don't vote for your mayor you just uh, the mayor gets picked from city council um so one of the guys running for city council who could theoretically become mayor just if he gets on the council has been banned from all of the city parks for smoking weed in the in the parks. So, like, it's totally legal to smoke weed in Oregon, but apparently not in the city parks. So a guy who wants to be on city council cannot go into the parks of the city that he's running for council on uh, because he smoked weed in public
0: because it almost because he enjoys the parks too much. Yeah. Or in an inappropriate yeah. way.
1: Apparently he was asked to leave and like you know made a made a scene. So I'm guessing he's not going to win. But you never know. Maybe this is going to be like the 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 pothead uh, get out the vote. Crowd is going to show. How about the
0: part. how about this in local politicians typically have less they have less resources for uh, to create like total evil yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's
1: absolutely true. Right.
0: Yeah. A lack of resources actually of some benefit yeah. to um to to the local politics. Yeah, I actually enjoy local politics quite a bit. Uh, do we see uh, evidence of externality in the sport? Uh, there, there must be something – is there something maybe with the way that um, the international market uh, – where there must be externalities there, right, where we're creating – where situations are created above and beyond the intended situations? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, in, in the
1: international market, you can probably look at like the – the pursuit of, you know, 16-year-old players, which is when uh, major league teams can sign these players, essentially incentivizes uh, talented athletes in other countries to forego high school or forego an education in order to, you know, train at an academy in order to get impressed by pro scouts so they can get a signing bonus and get out of the country in poverty that they're in. Um, so essentially what we're doing is we're incentivizing the lack of education in the countries where we're scouting 14- and 15-year-olds. That's an externality paid by the kids who don't get signed, right? So their their cost is that they potentially give up their education, and then they don't get a major league contract. They don't get that money. They don't get to leave, and now they're stuck there without an education. They're paying a cost for the system.
0: So in theory, uh, I guess to uh, if you're trying to create legislation uh, that produces equality, the what you're essentially doing is is making sure that the costs. Which, um, if there are costs which are currently being paid in the form of these externalities, ideally what legislation would do, right? If it's if it's good and honorable, is attempting to um, is attempting merely to have those who are creating the costs to be the ones paying them.
1: Correct. That's kind of one of the ideas of taxes um, is you can potentially offset an externality by saying, look, this is not something that you have to pay directly for, but because you're you're a huge polluter. We're now going to charge you a tax in order to offset the damage you're doing to the environment.
0: Right. So either you're disin- you're either disincentivizing the pollution to begin with or you're saying it's fine that you do this, but uh, you're going to have to essentially pay – you're paying a fee to be able to do that.
1: Correct. Yeah. And I think actually if we we're talking about externalities in baseball, uh, maybe one of the more interesting ways is we're going to see in the, in the playoffs uh, teams with pending free agents. So say the Dodgers and Rich Hill – they have no real, besides just an ethical desire to treat players well, no real incentive to keep Rich Hill healthy for 2017, right? Like, they paid a significant price to get him in terms of talent. Uh, they could throw Rich Hill for as many pitches as they want, and most likely he'll just let them. Uh, and if they want to run him out there for 120, 125 pitches and throw him on three days rest and just burn through Rich Hill's career because he's 37 and uh, who really cares about his long-term if you're the Dodgers, Uh they could do that. And so Rich Hill would be paying the externality of the Dodgers usage of him in the postseason. Now, more likely, the Dodgers are going to be somewhat ethical. They actually care about their players. They're probably not going to do this. But we have seen before, I think, CC uh, Sabathia, when he went to Milwaukee, the Brewers were like, ah, you know, we're never going to have you again. Uh, just pitch every, you know, every inning you possibly can. And, uh, and if you get break down, well, the next team who pays you is going to pay for it.
0: Or, or they or A, they won't pay you as much. Although I don't think that really happened, right?
1: No, yeah, Sabathia got a, a fine contract. It actually turned out just fine. Like Sabathia, clearly wasn't damaged goods in New York. The end of the contract didn't go so well, but that's normal with pitchers anyway.
0: And, I'll, and, and the, I, I think probably where this where this arises more frequently is in uh, amateur, the amateur version of the game, right?
1: Oh, right, yeah, high school and college coaches definitely not incentivized to look out for the well being of their young pitchers.
0: Right, although you could say that teams that do. Uh, behave ethically might find themselves finding it e- easier to deal with other teams in, you know, in uh, transactions, for example.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, this came up with the AJ Peller. Uh, situation where now it's a question of, like, is he going to pay an external cost for his shady dealings? Although this is a direct cost that he's going to have to pay. So not really an example of an externality because this is just a uh kind of a deferred cost. Like he got a deal uh in the deals where he swindled the people he was trading with, but now he's going to have a tax imposed on him in future trades.
0: Okay. So you mentioned the the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I was actually going to ask you about that very same ball club during this conversation uh because you have underpredicted, or you have made an educated guess, that more than any other year before this one, we're likely to see what is the equivalent of a bullpen, uh, bullpen game. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes. I am always in fa- favor of uh, teams minimizing the usage of their starting pitchers that aren't named Clayton Kershaw or Novosindergaard. If you have an ace, that's fine. But the rest of your pitchers, if they're mortals, you should not let them pitch very deep into the games.
0: Okay. The Dodgers have a strange – I mean, they've had a strange setup all along, right, insofar as they've had a lot of pitchers making a few starts, but it's actually worked out for them quite well. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: they've used 15 pitchers this season, I believe.
0: Yeah, what's the average for that? I was actually wondering. I think
1: like nine. Okay. Not 15. 15's a record. 15's a record? I believe that no team that has won their division or made the playoffs or something like that has ever used more starting pitchers in the season.
0: Yeah, and, uh, this was a good team. Yeah, uh, I think right, that, like just, by our version of, uh, of yeah. Wins Above Replacement, they yeah. produced the third highest figure.
1: Yeah, this is a good pitching staff that, uh, mixed and matched and p- p- patched things together with duct tape and, you know, I mean, they traded for Bud Norris and then they DFA'd him and like, this was definitely like a kind of get through, uh, but Clayton Kershaw and Rich Hill were so good when they pitched, they helped make up for the fact that the team kind of had to mix and match at the back end.
0: Okay, so I'm going to run through the, the, those 15 pitchers very quickly and what I would like you to tell me is where they are now and and if applicable, what they'll be doing during the playoffs. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Uh, Kenta Maida. I'm, I'm going to name them in order of the starts they made for the Dodgers this year.
1: Number three starter.
0: Number three starter. Okay. Uh, Scott Kazmir. Uh,
1: probably inactive. Oh, really? Yeah, he is not going to be on the playoff roster.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Inactive. Uh, Clayton Kershaw.
1: Uh, number one starter.
0: Number one starter. Julio Urias. Uh,
1: maybe number four starter, maybe number, maybe reliever, but most likely pitching in some fashion in game four.
0: Okay, game four we would see. And it, it, is he the sword that could be sort of an uber reliever? Kind of come in and...
1: I mean, I think, like, realistically the Dodgers don't necessarily have need for that kind of guy because they have Kershaw who could potentially give you seven or eight innings and just hand the ball to Kenley Jansen and Rochelle could potentially do the same thing. Uh, so I think what they're gonna do with Urias is probably say, Either you're going to start and you're going to go three or four innings or you're going to come out of the bullpen and you might go three innings. He's going to basically like probably do a piggyback slash tandem start with uh, someone else
0: in game four. Okay. Ross Stripling?
1: Uh, probably a reliever, but okay. potentially could start game four if they wanted to.
0: Long relief of some sort. Alex Wood started 10 games this year. Uh, reliever. Okay.
1: He's around? He's not injured right now? No, he came back and he's actually pitched pretty well in relief.
0: Okay. All right. Brandon McCarthy? Uh,
1: probably not on the roster. Really? Yeah. He got, uh, he got torched in San Francisco over the weekend and probably sank his
0: chance at making the team. Okay. Uh, Bud Norris? Uh,
1: DFA. He is a free agent.
0: Bud Norris actually didn't. Let me look. He wasn't oh, very he pitched... he wasn't
1: really good with the Dodgers. He was good with Atlanta for a month.
0: Right. Okay. Um, Rich Hill?
1: Number two starter.
0: Number two starter. And that's deserving?
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Okay. Uh Bolsinger. Mike Bolsinger.
1: He is I think in the Blue Jays organization now. He yeah, traded a while ago.
0: He's not gonna help the team.
1: He will not help the Dodgers in any way. Except for well, by not pitching for them.
0: Yeah, or if, maybe if he's making I don't know if he's uh, on the well no he yeah, but he's not pitching for the Blue Jays major league team either. No, he was oh. in the minors most of the year. Yeah, okay. Uh Brock Stewart.
1: Uh I think he will not be on the roster. Okay. I could be wrong, but I I don't think he's gonna be on the roster.
0: I think you're right. Jose De Leon?
1: Uh, not on the roster. Really? Yeah, he's, he didn't pitch well in the major leagues.
0: No, I guess he didn't. Okay, look at that. It's all surprising. I just remember them how they are as prospects. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Brad Anderson.
1: Uh, most likely inactive.
0: Okay. Uh, Nick Tepish, where's he these days? He got
1: dfa a long time ago.
0: Yes, he did. He was, didn't he start the season with the Rangers?
1: Uh, maybe. That's how, he was definitely with the Rangers in past years. I don't know if he started this year with the Rangers.
0: He played for one, two, three, uh, four different uh, organizations this year, Tepish.
1: Yeah, he's kind of the classic replacement level arm.
0: Yeah. Would you rather have Nick Tepish or Nick Martinez?
1: Mm, I would rather choose not, not a guy named Nick.
0: Okay. No, no one named Nick.
1: Yeah, I would go, I would opt out of the Knicks.
0: Okay. Who's the best Nick starter right now?
1: Carmelo Anthony?
0: <laughs> okay, that's not bad. Uh, but who, who's the best starter named Nick?
1: Um, Nick Markakis?
0: Yeah, I guess. He's not a pitcher, although maybe a decent pitcher. He's got an okay arm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of Nicks out there. Nick Neugebauer was terrible.
0: Yeah, you're right. I'm sure that uh, someone will leave a comment pointing out a glaring hole. Yeah, probably. Uh, and Hinjin Ryu.
1: Uh, Ryu. Injured and on the disabled list.
0: Oh, Ryu. Well, he made one appearance this year, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and it didn't go well, and now he's no, he having surgery again.
0: Okay. All right. Well, there we have, uh, some sort of introduction and they also have, uh, what they have somewhat of something of a strong bullpen do don't they? The Dodgers?
1: I mean, A. Jansen is, uh, one of the best closers in baseball and then their setup crew, which has kind of been maligned, has actually pitched quite well, especially, uh, with, uh, Grant Dayton, who's been excellent since coming up from the minor leagues and Pedro Baez and Joe Blanton. Uh, none of these guys are necessarily like big name, Andrew Miller or Dylan Betances types, but they have pitched at a, uh, quite a high level. And, uh, and someone's pulling into my driveway. That's interesting.
0: uh Oh,
1: I guess they're just you turning Never mind. It's an awful of am not being robbed.
0: He <laughs> could use this as as evidence if he were yeah. though. Right, uh, okay. yeah, that's right. Uh, how many more? How many minutes do you have? Well, I should probably
1: leave in the not too distant future. My wife's flight was not scheduled to land until. Twelve eleven, 11 but then I checked the status of it left 20 minutes early. And uh, apparently they were in a very big hurry to get here. So.
0: Okay. And is, there an, is, is this an airport in Bend?
1: Uh, it's 20 minutes away. It's the Redmond Airport. It's, it's now my favorite airport in the world because when I was flying to Chicago for pitch talks, I had a 7.50 boarding time from like my 8.20 flight or something like that. So I got to the airport and parked my car at 7.18, mm-hmm. and I was sitting at my gate at 7.22.
0: Oh, that's very good.
1: I walked from the car through the terminal, through TSA, uh, security, got to my gate in four minutes. It was great.
0: Uh, small, uh, small airports are the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. if, if you could find a decent, uh, decent airfare. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, that's sure. always the thing. It was a little more expensive and there are limited options. We can only fly seven places directly, but you know, when you fly those seven places, it's pretty great showing up like, you know, 10 minutes before your flight and not caring.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Okay, let's talk about. Um, uh, let's see, who do we have here? Oh, you wrote about generally today the uh, the uh, the goods and the bads of the postseason. Yeah, I did. And I um and I uh I think your your argument for why the playoffs are good. I think well, this is maybe more self evident. Yeah, is that it uh, compresses all of the drama, whatever drama might be extant during the full season, into uh, a much smaller space.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's the most interesting time of year from a drama slash tension perspective, where every play really matters. Where in the regular season, you know, every play doesn't really matter all that much.
0: Right. And your uh, your 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 protest—the thing about which you protest—is not necessarily the postseason, but that people make conclusions about a team's strength or weakness based off of the outcome of their their postseason run.
1: Yeah, the, the narratives around the postseason are really terrible. And, uh, you know, I think if we can reject those and just enjoy the postseason for what it is, it's great. But mm-hmm. the the lionization of those who win and the demonization of those who lose is just really appalling.
0: The best team this year, true or false, was the Cubs.
1: It's true, and it doesn't matter what happens over the next three weeks. The Cubs could get swept by losing every game 15 to nothing, and some team could win the World Series – Winning every game 10 to nothing and go 11 and 0 to the playoffs and it wouldn't matter, the Cubs would still be better than that team.
0: Were the Cubs, uh, in, in recent memory, I mean, did, where do you place these clubs in terms of the, uh, in terms of how well constructed they are? Because they seem to do everything well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Cubs have no real holes. Um you could maybe say, like, their offense isn't, uh, amazing because they don't have, I mean, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are very good and Ben Zobrist is a, is a good hitter, but, you know, this isn't necessarily, um like the Blue Jays offense from last year, where it was just like six or seven guys that could just crush you on any pitch. Um, but their defense is amazing, their pitching is great, their bullpen's fantastic. They run the bases really well. Like the Cubs are a very well-rounded team. They're maybe not quite at the level of like the turn of the century Mariners and Yankees that won 116 and 114 games. Um, but in terms of like in this day and age of parity, where free agency is is much more difficult to um, to buy talent and kind of build a super team, and you have to build it in house. This is the best team we've probably seen in 10 years.
0: Okay. And then uh, in the interest of time, I'll, I'll limit myself to one more question before you um, before you fulfilled your obligation. Uh, and it concerns David Ortiz. Um, uh, typically, when we see players make uh, uh, goodbye tours like David Ortiz has this year, uh, and probably the most similar ones in recent memory have been uh, Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera, right? Yeah. Uh and, and of course, other players have done it too. Uh, But uh, there's probably something different about uh Ortiz and those first two players. For example, do you think Derek Jeter will go to the Hall of Fame? Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely, first ballot, no question.
0: Okay. Do you think that Mariano Rivera will go to the Hall of Fame?
1: Absolutely, first ballot, no question.
0: And do you think David Ortiz will go to the Hall of Fame?
1: Yes, but I'm not 100% sure he'll get it on the first ballot. I think he will, but uh, the, the anti-DH crowd might force him to wait one year.
0: Oh, so you do think David Ortiz will get into the Hall of Fame? Oh
1: yeah, he's going to get in. The question is yeah. uh, how long it will take him. But he's gonna, okay. he, he's absolutely going to
0: get in. Okay. Now, it, uh, by the objective measurements, you know, sort of like a Jaws or whatever, um, which was Jay Jaffe's metric for sort of what I guess predicting or delineating uh, Hall of Fame eligibility. It, I guess it was my sense. I mean, if nothing else, due to his WAR total, which is just just around fifty wins, uh, that. David Ortiz would not necessarily have put together the career in terms of uh, his own personal contributions to wins that other Hall of Famers have put together.
1: Yeah, I think if you look at just regular season only, you can make a pretty good case that David Ortiz probably is a borderline Hall of Famer. But mm-hmm. as we just talked about, the postseason is important, and while we don't want to necessarily like make character judgments based on David Ortiz, these are the games that you know teams essentially play for is to get to the postseason to win World Series. Postseason performance is some order of magnitude more valuable than regular season performance? We could argue about, like, what the multiples should be, but in my mind it's at least, you know, one postseason game is worth at least two or three regular season games, maybe even as high as five regular season games. You're arguing that – or I'm arguing that um, uh, the postseason should be essentially added into his total with some kind of multiplier. And so we take David Ortiz, who's probably been, I don't know, like a – 6 to 10 war player in the postseason. We don't have war for postseason because we don't have defensive metrics for the postseason. But he's a DH and we don't really need those anyway. You look at what Ortiz has done in the playoffs and you say, okay, look, this is, a, you know, say it's 5 war over the course of his kind of, uh, 3 or 400 plate appearances, whatever it is, uh, and you extrapolate that out to 10, 15, or 20, all of a sudden he's an easy, an easy Hall of Famer. So I think, As long as you factor in the postseason, his excellence in the postseason, and the importance of the postseason, it's not very hard to make a statistical case for Ortiz.
0: Very interesting. And at what point do you think that became the case? Do you think it was after 2013? Uh, like, he sort of locked it in, or do you think that he's helped himself with these last few years?
1: I think 2013 probably cemented it. Like, he was probably a bubble candidate before that. Um, winning another World Series probably put him over the hump, especially because he's been so good in those series and has been an offensive monster in the postseason. I think so. 2013 probably made it that he didn't need to do anything else after that. And then the fact that he's had, like, some pretty good years since, and in his last season, the best year of his career, I don't think those. besides just the ardent – Kind of anti dh crowd. I don't think too many people are going to argue with Ortiz in the Hall of
0: Fame. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you right. So you think it doesn't necessarily have to be based off of uh, any of the sort of uh, nostalgia or any really consideration for his character, which uh, by all int- for all intents and purposes seems only to be a net plus in his case. Uh, you think that merely based off of the performance alone, as long as you're accounting for the postseason, that it's it's really not much. Uh, it's not it's not a controversial pick. Right. I
1: mean, I would look at Ortiz kind of like Rivera, right? So, like, this is a player who had a somewhat limited role and that he, you know, Rivera only pitched one inning a game. Ortiz only hit uh, and didn't play the field. Um, by war, both of them are not, you know, in that kind of elite tier. But when you look at what they did in the postseason, uh, which is when it kind of matters the most, and, like, their performance at that level uh, combined with the fact that um, – you know, it's not necessarily their fault that, like, the relief pitcher or the DH position were created in order to help guys like them maximize their abilities. I think it's fairly easy to give Rivera and Ortiz, uh, kind of a, a different baseline and say, look, they don't have to get to 60-70 war like a starting position player. These guys were transcendent players at their position. And unless we're just never gonna put a reliever or DH in the Hall of Fame, these guys clearly
0: belong. Okay, you've done it, Dave. Cameron, you've fulfilled your obligation. Hooray, hooray. Go get your what? Your wife and child? Is that what I, you're doing? Yeah,
1: I get to see my wife and child for the first time in three weeks.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's going to be very good. Well, thank you very much for uh, Dave Cameron. You're
1: welcome. All right, All right stick one second. second. But in in the, meantime, meantime, that that the meantime, that has been the Manager, 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 manager thanks, Dave, Dave Cameron, Cameron. I'm Carson, Carson Stoolie, and this has been FanGraphs
0: Study. study.